Hello, and welcome back to Conversations with Claire. Today, my guest is Danielle Gertner. Danielle is a speaker, MC, self-mastery mentor. She is the owner of Warrior Women ATX, and she also built the Radical Confidence Blueprint course. So we're going to unpack some of that stuff. But before we do that, uh, how we met. I always love to start with how we met. And then I've recently started like lobbing that ball at the guest and letting you tell them how we met. So here's the ball. How did we meet? Was it at High Rocks? Oh, that's right. That's was right. That's it? Right. I was like, I think so. I was like, shit, don't throw me the ball. I just dropped it. <laughs> Fuck. No, it's funny. I actually, uh, I did have another guest that we recently did this with where we met at a different location than I thought we met. So this is actually funny. I really, if anything, appreciate your like drop the ball because. I'm just tossing it back like yeah, volleyball, baby. It's coming back over. the first time at High Rocks. Okay. I think that was our first meeting. But our very, like our first at length interactions would have definitely taken place at on it. Yes. Yeah. So, um, that all being said, we'll just move right along from there since we're both like, I don't know, we just run around just in the same like rooms all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what I want to start with that I think is like relevant to say about you before I start asking you things about you is, um, upon meeting you, getting to know you, getting to observe you in your workspaces, I'm going to touch on, and we'll loop back to this later in a different way, but like at High Rocks, it's a very, so you work in the capacity of MC at these events, which by the way, High Rocks, most people listening probably already have some familiarity, but it's a giant fitness race. It was born over in Germany. It takes place all over the world. And in the U S it has been here for two, three years now and seen tremendous growth like insane growth. So thousands of people run these races at each location, each time that they take place. And Danielle is in the start tunnel with the athletes putting like sending them out. And that's, that's her current role. But so I've experienced that now five times, Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. So I've seen you do that thing in that way five times now, but even from the very first time. And then certainly every time since then, I've said this since the first time, which I didn't even really know you yet to, I still feel very strongly that this is the case. You have the most profound impact on that individual's experience there every single time Mm. because they all get in this start tunnel. They feel all the things they are trying to go after something that they have worked very hard to go towards. It's very scary, whether they're at a high level and they just want to get their best PR and they know that they perform well, they still have nerves or they are literally, this is the most daunting thing they've ever done in their lives. They have no idea if they're capable of accomplishing it. Like we have people at all ranges. And so they come into the start tunnel with a lot of energy and you build them up and calm them down. Mm -hmm. And the words that you say are very profound. And the way that you articulate them is very profound and it's consistent. So I just, That's, I think, very relevant to the, like, who are you? And now they're going to hear that through the questions (laughs) I'm about to ask you. But that was what I noticed about you very quickly. And I feel like I very consistently, when we're in rooms together, the energy that you bring to the room is uncommon. Mm. And it is impactful in a really positive way. And I just read something this morning that was like, your greatest power is like the impact you have on others. And Mm. it's like, you're, I feel a great example of how to do that thing well. So thank you. You're welcome. Mm. Uh, okay. So 
we talked about all sorts of other stuff before recording too about you, masculine, <laughs> feminine energy, whatever. But I want to go into now, like, just take me back a bit. Let's start yeah. with the story of like, where did we grow up and what was that like? I know there have been some very profoundly impactful things along the way. So, yeah. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me here. I was just telling you, Claire, before the podcast, how excited I was to be here. Um, so a little bit about me, born and raised in South Florida, um, a South Florida baby, the sun just runs in my veins, I like to say. Um, had a really, really great childhood, unpacking a lot as I get older, but really beautiful childhood. I ended up going to the University of Florida, go Gators. Um, and this is where I really started to learn a whole lot about myself um, because for a while, all through my life, all through high school, all through college, I <clears throat> followed a lot of what everyone told me to do and who they told me to be and followed that very typical pathway of success means X, Y, and Z, happiness means X, Y, and Z. And I never really asked myself what those things meant to me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was in college, actually I was graduating from UF um, and I had two full-time job offers that were great full-time job offers, but neither of them really excited me. What did you go to school for? I went to school for business, okay. not thinking at all that I was going to own a business and start it the month I graduated. Um, I went to school for communications and leadership development within business and specifically studied nonprofit leadership. So I thought I was going to work for the YMCA. That's where I did my internships. Some of them, I also did an internship with Amazon. Um, but I had nothing, nothing on my radar of like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And I think as I started to learn about myself and realize that I wasn't super happy with a lot of the ways the world worked, um, and I never realized that growing up because you grow up with these blinders on oftentimes. And again, here I was on this conveyor belt, did great in high school, did great in college, involved in all the things, got the great internships. And I was the, you know, quote unquote, parent's dream where I graduate with this successful full-time job offer from both Amazon and the YMCA. Look at the security she's going to have and the money she's going to make. And I turned them both down to start my business in fitness. So I had started a boot camp at UF when I was there called Gator Grind. And we met at the stadium and it was a stadium boot camp that was around for five years. Um, it was incredible. And Were you playing sports? Uh, not in... Uh, not, not in college. college. Okay, I cool. played sports growing up. I was a cheerleader most of my life. I ran track, played a little bit of flag football. So what were your workouts? Like what were the Gator Grind? Like what were y'all doing? Um, so my business, uh, well, I didn't have my business yet. Gator Grind was kind of the first iteration. I was still in school when I started it, but the tagline was the world is your gym. I was really passionate about getting people outside and inspiring them how to use everyday everyday items, you know, the yeah. lines in a parking lot, a curb, a bench to move their bodies. Mm -hmm. And so we use the bleachers, we use the wall. Sorry, UF for all the times that we jumped on the field. We always got yelled at because <laughs> um, we would like jump, you know, the, the wall basically that separates the field from the bleachers. Yes. If you're on the field, it's actually pretty tall. Mm -hmm. You have to have quite a bit of upper body strength to push yourself up. Mm -hmm. And so we'd have everybody jump onto the field and do these like basically a hop up. I imagine it's kind of like what you do to build up to getting a muscle up. Uh -huh. So anyway, um, we did all types of workouts, but they were mostly body weight and using what we had at the stadium. And I'll fast forward a little bit. Um, when I graduated, I was like, 
I'm going to teach boot camps for the rest of my life and I'm going to do fitness forever. And did that for a while after I graduated, got super burnt out, was leading like 25 boot camps a week all over the city, went online in 2017, called myself the Netflix for fitness. And this is about the time I started to get into my own self-mastery journey, habit and mindset transformation, inner child work, understanding like, holy shit, I've been in this simulation basically and this computer game that I don't love and I don't love the person that I actually am um and I'm wearing a very heavy dose metaphorically of makeup and these masks that I have to take off every day when I come home and I had a really hard time looking at myself in the mirror and connecting with who I was and this is where the self-mastery journey began how old were you Um, I don't know, 21, 22. I just graduated. I was in a very long relationship with a great guy for about five years at this point. Mm. He was a big mirror for me because I was not the nicest to him. Mm. And he was super patient with me, super loving. He was like my first real taste of unconditional love. Mm. And it made me take a hard look at myself of like, why am I the way that I am? And at first there was a lot of shame and judgment around why I was the way that I was. And I learned to alchemize that shame and judgment into curiosity and compassion and went on and have been on this really beautiful, beautiful journey of self-mastery and self-discovery ever Mm -hmm. since. And so this sounds so Broad, like it sounds so uh, gray that I want to make it more black and white, I guess, in a way, because like, well, another question is like, what is self-mastery yeah. to you? Mm-hmm. Um, but so just to make sure that I'm understanding college, graduation, shortly after graduation, start own business, start coaching an exorbitant number of hours, which I think anyone that gets into the coaching business in any capacity often does so from a place of like, this feels purpose-driven, yeah, beautiful, and then extends themselves in such a way that they are completely burnt out, et cetera, which sounds like that was the what was going on. Basically. And it's all too common. It's why we haven't had this conversation, but like I fought the role of coach really hard for a really long time because I watched so many individuals have to give so much of themselves to, that they could not, you know, they, they extended themselves so far yeah. and I had another career. And so I was like, no, I'm not going to do that thing because I watch this burn people out. Yeah. Uh, and so it's interesting that now I'm in that role, but I live in Austin and, and because of the internet, there are ways in which we can do that role well and not burn ourselves out, which is the, you know, that's what we're striving for anyway. So the breakup takes place and then that's when you start to go, like you, you go through a breakup and then you start to go your self mastery route of like, now I need to take a look at these things. No, we were still together. Um, my ex and I for, uh, almost seven years. Um, and so it was while we were still dating, I just, I didn't like the way I was treating him and I didn't like the, I was very exhausted by the performances that I was giving. You know, if you looked at my life from the outside looking in, it was like, damn, she's got the boyfriend. She's got the community. She started, I started my business the month I graduated from UF and like, man, look at all the ways. And that was just, I was feeding off of this external validation of the way that the world saw me was the most important thing to me in the entire world. Mm. And it was fucking exhausting. Every day I would come home and knew, I knew that there was a misalignment between 
how I was showing up and how I was actually feeling inside. Mm. And so the work came from, well, I have two choices here. Either I continue being miserable and putting on a mask to the outside world and I do this the rest of my life, mm-hmm. or I own my shit, mm-hmm. which is my current tagline yes. and mission it. and purpose in life. I own my shit and I do something about it. And I realize a lot of the things that I was experiencing, the shame, the places and parts of myself I was unable to accept weren't my fault, but that didn't mean that they weren't my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't like one moment that woke me up to like, all right, my girl, it's time to take responsibility. It just, that was the only choice. Either don't and suffer and be chasing the validation forever or show the fuck up for yourself and become your biggest fan and find freedom. That's the biggest thing I found. And I'll, when you ask me, I will explain <laughs> self-mastery, but. <laughs> I found freedom. I am the most free and I become more and more free every moment of every day. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So you talk about, you know, it was this, this external validation thing, Yeah, which then that's just interesting in and of itself, because I feel like there's a certain bout, there's a certain, like we have to acknowledge the reality that some form of external validation will always be relevant to us. And yet internal has to, there's got to be a lot going on there. Mm -hmm. And so when you say that, that makes me think of the fact that like, even in my own, you know, writings about my annual review last year into like my planning for this coming year. Uh, so much of that was like ego food versus soul food Mm -hmm. and being super mindful of, and, and I've been thinking about this for a while, but like, what are the actions that I'm taking that are like soul food? And what are the actions that I'm taking that are just ego food and really checking in on that on a regular basis. So, it's been a very freeing journey, but what was, if we go all the way back to the acknowledgement that there is friction here that I am not at peace with and I want to do something about, what would have been one of the very first steps that you would have taken? Like, what was the first tool that you decided to pick up? Yeah, that's a really great question. And you're right. I mean, we're humans, right? And if we go all the way back to psychology of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like there is a, a very innate need for Um, understanding and acceptance by others. And I'm not denying that. Um, But when you talk about the soul food versus the ego food, there was a lot of ego food. And I shared this quote with you um, right before we started, every action you take is a vote for the person you wish to become. Mm -hmm. James Clear says that in his book, Atomic Habits. And when I read that, I was like, holy shit, holy shit, holy (laughs) shit. Um, Because we're always voting. And I realized I was voting for this version of me that was so performance driven. And so really the first step was getting really clear on where fear was playing a role in the decisions that I was making and not a healthy role. This is not also self-mastery is also not about getting rid of fear. That would be silly. We are, again, we're humans, right. but instead of making a decision based off fear I can get curious about the fear, what is underneath the fear. And that's really where it started for me. When I noticed that tension, a lot of it was the fear of not being seen, being abandoned, left behind. And so a lot of these decisions where I would say yes to things that really were a a no, they weren't a fuck yes, they were a no. Um, I, I had to get very honest with myself. Um, the very, very first tool, even before that, if somebody wants something really tangible, because even that in itself of like, 
get clear on where the fear is can be a little woo-woo. The very first tool was this mirror work that I did. I love you for dot, dot, dot. I forgive you for dot, dot, dot. I trust you to dot, dot, dot. And it's still written on my mirror. Every house I move into, it's the first thing I do. And every morning I would start looking at myself in the mirror and saying, I love you for whatever it was that day. I forgive you for whatever it was that day. I trust you too. And what this did the most simple thing, and it was free, it is free. Mm. The most powerful thing was it helped me build a relationship with myself and start to trust myself enough to figure my shit out. Because ever since we're little, most of us, at least the world I grew up in, we are taught that it is our parents, our teachers, our politicians, our influencers that have our answers for us. Mm -hmm. It is our religious leaders that have our answers for us. And I learned very quickly through that experience and have been continuing to learn through the last years of my life, nobody has my answers but me. And I didn't trust myself enough to find those answers and to be quiet enough within my own heart to find those answers and to believe those answers when they came to me. And that little mirror work, I love you for, I forgive you for, I trust you too, helped me build that relationship and start opening that doorway for all of the different parts of me to start conversing with each other. And that's now getting into parts work, which maybe we'll get to, maybe we won't. <laughs> yeah. I love, thank you for sharing. Cause I think that that's the thing is we can talk conceptually about I was here and now I'm here. And if we keep it too broad, there's not tangible tools yeah. to do something with. And so we've got to like get really, I feel really like I need the specifics. If I'm going to get something out of the deal, the inspiration is in that broad. Yeah. And then from there, the what to do. The empowered action. tool. Yep. And so I am curious too, if you're comfortable. Uh, I don't even care if you're comfortable. I'm, I'm <laughs> go for it. <laughs> but like the fear stuff, of course, uh, for me, uh, my journey looks different. The timeline looks different. The motivators look different, et cetera. However, a lot of now we need to grow mm -hmm. uh, is in alignment. And so that's, you know, I don't know why we're friends. Uh, <laughs> but... but being taught to take a look at fear and to understand that fear was actually motivating. You know, it was so interesting in those early days of my own journey where I'm working with a mentor who's telling me because of a recovery program that I'm plugged into and they're like, you know, what are your fears? And I had to inventory my fears. And it was like, it was so fun. What are you afraid of? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, like my immediate reaction was, what are you afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. And then, okay, sweetie, sit down. Mm-hmm. What are you actually afraid of? Oh, wow. I'm afraid of being too successful. I'm mm -hmm. afraid of being unsuccessful. I'm afraid of thinking, you know, it just it, it, literally either side of the coin, fear everywhere, fear everywhere. But then if you can acknowledge that it exists, then you can do something with it. Totally. And so what were, so it sounds like the identification of fears was an important step. And so what were some of the ones that came up for you? Oh man, there's so many. Like and, in the early, early I want to in the early days. Well, I want to say this: um, a very defining quote for me, Carl Jung, "Where your fear is, your task is," um, and um, the unconscious will. Um, don't butcher this, Danielle. You got this. Um, <laughs> until you make until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life, and you will call it fate. And that just 
hit me in a way it punched me in the soul. Um, not in the gut, in the fucking soul. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how much of my unconscious mind fears are currently ruling my life and I'm blaming the world for my problems instead of, again, taking ownership over getting curious about these things. And so I love my fears. My fears are very wise teachers. We have a lot of fun together dissecting where they where they come from. And um, in the earlier days when I first got started, a lot of the fear was I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared that I don't actually know what I'm doing, even though my community, my boyfriend, my family, the world looking at me, I look like I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I guess imposter syndrome is what people call that these days, sort of. Um, And then the fear of abandonment. A lot of my decisions, a lot of, and I have to check myself being in Austin in the city of a lot of big fish, where I came from a city in Gainesville, Florida, where I was the big fish. There weren't a lot of other big fishies. Oh, I want to unpack this because we have different places we were from, but that's entirely true. And I'm curious about your perspective on it because if anything, what this has done for me is given me humble pie that's given me so much fuel. It's been so good. Being a nobody's great. It's been so good. It's been challenging as hell, but you know, it's, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, that, oh, there's wow, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, 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 no. write that down. We'll come back to it. But, but there, yeah, there was a lot of a fear of the abandonment. Um, you know, if you think about this, and and I teach this a lot, and I've I've worked with this a lot myself. All of us, no matter where you come from, um, your age, your background, your socioeconomic status, religion, it doesn't matter. As humans, we share the same basic human needs the very basic human needs Mm -hmm. to be loved, to be safe, to be seen, to be protected, to be a part of something. Mm -hmm. We all share it and it manifests itself in different ways. Mm -hmm. And we put different masks on because here comes big brother ego, big sister ego, right? Protecting those parts of ourselves that didn't feel safe, didn't feel loved, didn't feel accepted. Um, And so that was a lot of the fear. And I realized if I continue to, to eliminate the fluff Right, because you could say I'm not afraid of anything, and then we take it a level deeper, and it's like, okay, well, I'm afraid of being alone, and we continue to break these down to their roots. The roots are always the same. Mm-hmm. They fall within those. They, categories. they fall within those categories, mm-hmm. and and so those were some of the common fears. And I just started to realize how many of the decisions were made based off that fear, mm-hmm. and yeah, I was tired of it. I was tired of it. So then we're going to go a step further. What was the first action that you took? You acknowledged that you have these fears. Yeah. What'd you do? I had compassion for them because the first thing that happened when I recognized there was this story that I was telling myself that I'm fucked up. I'm fucked up. There's no way I'm getting out of this. Um, Look at everything I've built. Everyone's going to think I'm a fraud. Um, And there was a lot of shame and a lot of... Uh, guilt, shame, um, disgust with myself. And we cannot make change from that place. I'll tell you that right now, that Mm -hmm. shame spiral. Um, And the first step was alchemizing that shame into compassion and curiosity, as I mentioned earlier. And that was the first step. And so tangibly, how do you do that? It went from, okay, I'm recognizing I feel a lot of shame 
a part of me, and again, this is going back to parts work because that's played a huge role on my journey. I'm recognizing that a part of me is feeling shame. Let me sit down with that part of me and have a conversation much like you and I are having this conversation right now. Yeah. Let me ask this part of me questions. Let me try to understand from a different perspective, where does this, where did this shame start? Where did it come from? What happens if this happens? What's the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario? Literally just getting to know those different parts of me and giving that part of me space to exist. Because what happens oftentimes when we feel shame, we shove that part of us in a closet and we lock the fucking door Mm. and we're like, you're not coming out. I don't care how loud you knock. I don't care. That's where our shadow comes from. The parts of ourselves that we want to reject and we wish weren't ours. Well, guess what? It's not going to just, that part of you is not going to just sit quietly in that closet with its arms crossed no it's gonna make messes all over the entirety of your life it is going to bleed out into every area of your life and when you first open the closet door it's overwhelming yep and so that really i know that's not like super tangible but the first step well here no i do have a tangible step yeah i have a tangible step it was writing letters from the perspective of this part of myself so like for example the inner child i would put my little six-year-old hat on and I would write a letter about whatever I was feeling and be very childish and then I'd put the hat on as the inner critic and I'd let my inner you know shit talker go off and then I would write a letter back and we I opened up this dialogue between these parts of myself it was fascinating I think it's really cool because the tools in which I was given to utilize like for me and the now we're going to start to change the narrative and we're going to start to quit blaming everyone else and take ownership and all of that uh, for me, that was largely, I reached out for a resource. I voca- I like vocally said, um, I'm not okay and I need help to mm. another human. And then that human gave me a resource and then that resource gave me another resource and then there's more humans and more tools and so on from there. So for me, what's it? I, I love this because this is literally probably the first time I'm having a conversation with someone who has embraced this we're not accepting the way that things were. We're going to do something about this. So often the conversation is, I reached out to another human. They gave me a tool, whatever. And so, and not that you haven't done that as well. Clearly, obviously. I have done that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Many times. Love, like I love because, because there, are, there are so many different approaches. You know, one yeah. of the things I've been listening to a lot from Layla Hormozzi recently, right? One of the things I love is so much of her perspective in her marriage, in her own growth and whatever, phenomenal story, but it's so different from my perspective in so many ways or like, you know, the way in which they handle conflict or the things that whatever it is, it's like, I've been taught no. And now I've been given the opportunity to go, do I agree Mm. every way? Do I agree? Like just because my reaction was this, do I agree with my reaction or is that no longer of service to me? Can I entertain this idea from a different lens anyway? And so coming back to what you're saying, I love that just simply like you are saying that you had a conversation with self because I just think it's nice to know that it doesn't have to look one way. Mm -hmm. Like you were able to introspect and have a, internal dialogue that was very productive and that can be a useful tool too so maybe somebody listening isn't so ready to able to desiring that reach out to another human in which i would encourage them to do but maybe the starting point is literally those letters to self first yeah that's an option. Absolutely. I didn't know that was an option until you said it was. Mm-hmm. So thank you. They are welcome. Yeah. And thank you for the reminder that there is no one 
size fits all approach to this journey of self-mastery. And I'm going to define it if yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> because I keep saying yeah, it and like, I'm like, clear though. like I'm, what the hell is I'm this? wondering if somebody listening is like, what the fuck Girl, does bitch actually said, mean? Yeah. Somebody said to me yesterday, they were like, what's a wellness coach? I don't even know what you do. And yeah. I was like, oh, right. Damn. Well, this goes back to understanding that everything that we do say, perceive is filtered by my own worldviews. Um, and your own worldviews, like even as you're saying words that come out of your mouth through your filters, they have to go through my filters first to land in my own brain, in my own heart. And we have our filters include all of our life's experiences and values and beliefs and all the things. So mm-hmm. there's no one size fits all. And when I'm talking about self mastery, it is an unwavering. And I say unwavering. It is an unwavering, meaning you don't get knocked off the boat. excuse me, because the waves are a little rocky. Or if you do, you're able to get yourself back on, but it's an unwavering knowing of self. And it's a lifelong journey. There isn't like a point where I'm like, okay, I've gotten all the self-mastery I'll ever need. I'm done. It is a lifelong commitment uh, and practice of getting to know, love, accept, and celebrate every single aspect of yourself. It is about having emotional mastery, knowing your emotions, where they're coming from, what you might need. And y'all, I just want to say this is way easier said than done. Do I always have emotional mastery? Hell no. But it is the commitment to the journey of knowing myself better than I know anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, that's broad because that can look a lot of different ways for different people. For me, self-mastery includes getting to know the parts of myself really, really, really deeply, Mm -hmm. really deeply. Okay. So you talked about parts work, which I know you kind of want to go, but I don't, but I don't think I want to go there yet. That's fine. I'm here. I'm here at your disposal. Let's go wherever you want to go. I'm along for the journey. So great is the reality of things is that like there's... I adore you. I think that conversation with you is really productive and pleasant. And so the, like, we'll have to only go so far here now. And yet there's still so much more we'll be able to converse about in the future. And that's cool. So we're just going to like, I I accept the fact that we're going to have to hone in on only just just a little bit, just scratch the surface, Cool, but that's cool. So here's where I want to go next. And that is... She's got an evil look on her face, I by do. the way, guys. I, I can't do. see it, but there's an evil smile that just popped up. I, I do. I have proximity bias because <laughs> I'm a human. And we share a different but common recent struggle. Yes. And you already know where I'm going. I know where you're going. But I, of course, am not asking for disclosure of specific... But, but I am... I do want to unpack... So our timelines are relatively similar yeah. in our own... Uh, we've both experienced heartbreak Mm -hmm. last year Mm -hmm. and then had to like walk through that. And it's looked very different for each one of us, but because of all of your self mastery work and because of your leaning into embracing self and all of the stuff that's come up for you, um, what has that struggle that we've shared? What has it shown you? Oh my God. You want me to do this in one podcast episode? Okay. Well, um, I will clarify in case anybody needs clarification. Yes, Claire and I both went through some heartbreak. Um, <laughs> mine and and just mine was very sudden um, and very unexpected. And it really flipped my whole world upside down. And it really, first thing it showed me was how tight of a grip I had 
on a certain unfolding, a certain story of how my life was going to unfold. And the universe loves to do this to you, right? Of, uh, can you let go of the grip that you have? And so that was kind of the first thing of like, holy shit, none of this is turning out the way I thought it was going to turn out. This is scary. This is painful. Um, this is rocking my identity, what I know about myself. It also rocked my, a little bit of my self-trust because that self-mastery part of self-mastery for me is emotional mastery and I'll be the first to own. I did not have emotional mastery the first couple weeks that my partner moved in with me in Austin and, and it showed. Um, and so I had to work through shame again and, and disappointment in myself again. And I think the, uh, the, probably the biggest thing that it's shown me is number one, I'm so fucking strong. I'm so fucking strong because not only did you and I go through heartbreak, you and I also have to show up in a place every fucking day where both of the people who cause heartbreak are there. I'm just going to say it. It's there. You guys can do your Instagram digging and whatever or don't. Please don't. It's fine. But, you know, but to show up and to learn to see this person not in anger, not in um, in in hatred, but in love mm. and fuck. It was hard, but yeah. I showed up every day with love for myself and love for this person and trust, trusting that his journey is his and my journey is mine. And we are mirrors of each other for a reason. And we have things to teach each other, even if I don't fully understand what that is right now. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I'll share, cause again, this could be unpacked forever. Mm. Um, I, got very close with grief this year. And I thought I had gotten close with grief when my brother passed away. And this opened up a whole nother level of grief that I hadn't touched. And it was really interesting because it was like somebody had died. Um, and it sent me on, it brought me to the awareness of, I allowed myself to grieve a lot when my brother passed away, but I stopped at a certain level there was a depth that I would not allow myself to go to because I was scared. And this breakup, this heartbreak pushed me into the deep end of my grief where my brother's grief got brought back up, my abandonment grief got brought back up, and I learned to befriend grief and to love who I was becoming in the depth of grief because I love who I became through it. Mm. Yeah, that's a whole whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> I think you probably do a better job of like settling in and letting yourself feel certain mm. things. And maybe I shouldn't say a better job, but that's simply something that you embrace more. A different job. Yeah. A different way. So a couple things come up for me with this. And that is just like, you know, through the whole we spoke about, and this was in relation to career stuff before we started recording the attachment to timeline mm -hmm. and how one of the things that you're working towards is like, you know, embracing journey, stuff yep. like that, as Let opposed to timeline. attachment to a specific timeline, yep. which I just so strongly agree with. And you even commented, I'm a powerful manifester mm -hmm. and I also believe you. Um, yet when it comes to other humans, there are things outside of our control totally, and there always will be. And so I love that, you know, you had to, it just, it just, it brings up a lot for me because I, oh, you know, letting go of what I thought 
things needed to look like has certainly been the case for me Mm -hmm. as well in every area of life, you know? And I remember becoming a spiritual person these past few years Then I also experienced a lot of anger and frustration around, um, okay, listen, I've done this work for a bit now. I should just know. Mm. I should just inherently be able to understand and interpret mm-hmm. my higher powers will for me because, uh, well, I've, I've been work. hanging out here. Yeah. I've been intention intentionally seeking it. And then it, and then it's all been a reminder, sweetie, that's not how that works. Mm. And what can you learn from this? Mm-hmm. Where can you soften? Where can you let go? And that also just makes you think, and I know I've shared this one with you, but that set aside prayer thing, you know, of just like, setting aside everything that I think that I know. I've said that to myself every morning since you've said, you sent that to me, by the way. So good. So good. And it's so that I may have an open mind and a new experience. That tool was wildly useful to me when something didn't unexpectedly went away in which I did not think it was going to go, which this could apply to yet again, career, familial relationship, literally anything in life. It doesn't, financial, whatever, anywhere that any human is struggling to just set aside everything that you think that you know and have a new experience. And so I want to, you know, touch on one, the grief thing that you brought up also made me think of, and you've probably heard this before. And if not, I could probably find it and share it. But I remember Huberman, Andrew Huberman talking about grief for young people and specifically in relationship and how like more than anything, he was just acknowledging the way that, because he's a neuroscientist. So the way that this works for our brains and that, and it was so useful. A friend of mine sent it to me during that time last summer and uh, I was able to listen to it and it was a beautiful framework Mm. to understand what was going on in between the years. And, and it was like, yes, you're a young person who now suddenly has to grieve the loss of the story that you built Mm -hmm. and that, and so let that happen. Yeah. And, it's okay. It is what it is. And yet this is challenging. It's potentially more challenging for you because you had all of this, this thing that was going to be over the course of time that was supposed to occur a certain way. And that's not taking place in the way that your brain constructed it. So you have to grieve the loss of that. So just like, Mm. okay, you know, I, I started reading, um, my therapist had sent this to me. Uh, it's called the wild edge of sorrow and it's sacred rituals around grief. And it's phenomenal. And one of the quotes I'm taking me so long to read it because I'm underlining like every other sentence, but grief and love are sisters woven together from since the beginning of time. And they're two sides of the same coin. And the more deeply I allow myself to grieve, the greater capacity I have to love. And if there's anything that losing my brother, this relationship, this breakup has taught me, it is I have such a capacity to love. And it is very scary to allow yourself to feel the immensity oftentimes of the grief. I, I think it's because I know for me, I was afraid of getting stuck there. And a lot of people do get stuck there and they're afraid of the, the, the fear of getting stuck there. And so they find all the other ways to numb themselves mm-hmm. instead of feeling it. Um, and my brother was one of these people. My brother passed away from an accidental drug overdose. And I know that he was numbing the fear 
of feeling an emotion, not necessarily the emotion itself, but the fear of feeling it. And if we can allow ourselves to sink to the depths, because I don't know anything deeper than grief. I haven't found anything deeper than grief. Mm -hmm. And to allow myself to sink down there and be in the darkness, in the despair, and know that I can get myself back to the surface again, Mm -hmm. there is such a power, such a power in that. Um, It has been immensely freeing as much as it's been painful. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I would love to hear that Andrew Huberman episode. Yeah, I'll I'll go find it. Um, This then, so the tool that comes up for me of how to navigate this type of hardship or whatever, I I do want to go there. But when you say, and I love the way that you worded that, because I have not read that book. I did not know that. Uh, And your capacity to love, I love that because I very much so agree. Mm -hmm. It has been the coolest experience Mm -hmm. to be like, whoa, your capacity for love is far greater than you thought. Because when container suddenly suddenly changes, I can still just hold love. Yep. And And that's our choice. That's the other beautiful thing here in all that you do self-mastery work, fitness, nutrition, whatever you're talking about is remembering your power to choose. Your power of choice is never taken from you. Internal choice. And that power to choose love instead of something more poisonous like anger, like fear, like resentment is, again, unbelievably freeing. And and how free do you want to be? How free do you want to be? Yeah. Well, and, and the grief thing with that, me, when my grandmother passed away, of course, that was what led to me spiraling to getting sober and all the whatever. Uh, but when she passed, someone said to me that, you know, grief is just love that doesn't have a physical home anymore. Mm-hmm. Love unexpressed. And it was just so great because it was like, this truly is like when I feel this thing, mm. this is just tremendous love that I just don't know where to put it anymore. Yep. yep. You know? Uh, so when thinking about tools, when dealing with grief or dealing with hardship, uh, I think that this is, this is what comes up for me. And then I think about what I've observed you do. And I think you're going to agree. So we'll see. (laughs) But the biggest, best thing I did here. Well, I did a few different things. One of them is daily prayer. That one saves my butt every day. But outside of that, uh, discipline Mm. of my emotions will not dictate whether I show up to the things that I've committed to showing up to Mm -hmm. incredibly powerful. Like I cannot imagine what this past, however, you know, we're talking, I guess for both of us roughly, you know, six months, whatever, what these, like you have continued to elevate yourself. You have continued to grow in your workspaces and you know, I mean, I just, you work very hard And so I also feel like I work pretty hard. You work very hard. Right. And to me, I just, I don't know what, like, I don't want to know what it would have looked like had I decided to sit and wallow. Totally. Had I decided to just say, I'm just feeling, this feels pretty rough. Yeah, it feels pretty rough. And I got shit to do. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, I don't know how else to say it. And everybody's, I am obviously not a therapist or anything like that. These are just speaking about experience. And that was discipline for me was a tool Mm -hmm. that was incredibly useful because I had to get up off of my butt and continue to execute on life Yep. in order to feel okay. That's just my experience. Yeah. But like, what do you think? Um, I I absolutely agree uh, (laughs) that discipline plays a role. And there's a balance here, right? I've also, I was telling Claire before the podcast, um, I was telling you that my 
my therapist and I, we, we coined this year the great softening yeah. for me. Um, and, I, and I loved that. I was very resistant to it at first. I was like, I don't want to be soft. But the great softening of allowing myself to be in the moments of grief and allow it to consume me a little bit. And that sometimes meant not going to the party or not doing the thing with the friend that I said that I was going to do necessarily, like being more gentle and a little softer around the edges and having the discipline because I am still worthy of showing the fuck up for. I don't, it doesn't matter what is happening. Michael Singer, the author of The Untethered Soul talks about this all the time. Life Life is lifey, like life be happening. Mm -hmm. Life has always been happening, like before we were born, after we were born. It's always going to be happening. Hard shit, bad shit, sad shit. And there's a lot of sad shit happening in our world right now. It's always going to be a happening world. And that does not mean that you are not worthy of showing up for. And one of the things that in this book that they talk about in The Wild Edge of Sorrow is there are parts of ourselves that live in this closet, this shadow closet of shame that we feel we don't grieve because they're not even worthy of grief. And when you start grieving, that means you open up the channel to loving. That means that part of you, you now see is worthy. And I am worthy. I don't, this person, these people, right? Because the heartbreak with my partner was not the only heartbreak I went through last Mm -hmm. year. I lost some really great friends um, very suddenly. And remembering that other people don't get to dictate the worthiness that I choose for myself. And that, like you said, that discipline of moving my body, of cooking myself food, going to sleep, looking at myself in the mirror, those are things that no matter what's happening, I have the choice to give that love to myself, even if even if it hurts because the person I want to give it to me isn't giving it to me, you know? Sure. Yeah. I love that. Uh, a friend taught me through any sort of hardship, this whole, you know, the things that you would do if this thing were not taking place are still the things that you do. And that was very useful to me in a time of hardship when yeah. I was like, what do I do? You know? And they were like, Anything that you were going to do, if this thing were not happening, yeah, you're still doing those things. Do the things that that bring you and help you become the person that you know that you're meant to be. The actions are the votes. The actions are the votes, even if they're small. Even if, because it was hard sometimes to want to make food for myself. It was totally. like, I'm just not going to eat today. And it's like... I talk about this in my program, the inner bestie. This is another part of the self, the inner bestie. When I don't have the belief in me, she does. She's the inner hype woman, the bad bitch energy. You fucking got this. I don't care. Pick your shit up. You're sexy. You're hot. Like, go crush the day. That inner bestie really came through this year. Okay, so when does she come out and how do you know? When you like like get really practical cuz okay. I love her. I'm like get I it, girl. Her. But like how do you know when you need to sh- when she needs to show up? Um, oh, this is it, it's tricky because it, it it's it's kind of like when you are n- not a novice at something anymore. You know, like we've been lifting weights for so long, you With forget. Reps, comes ease. It comes ease. So you remember, you're like, I was teaching somebody a couple weeks ago, like how to 
clean a kettlebell and I was like holy shit because it was challenging right it's a very funky move girl if you don't know how to do it yes watching people move when you know how to move you're like wait what and then I think about all the years that I didn't know how to move yeah because I you know it took me for a second to be like oh wow okay I forgot how awkward and weird this felt at first but so get really practical how I know I need the inner bestie when I'm not being disciplined when I'm not showing up for myself and being loving to myself. And again, I know that means something different for everybody. For me, being loving to myself, again, means moving my body, journaling every day, looking at myself in the mirror, nourishing my body with good food, and being around people that make me feel good and make me come alive. Mm -hmm. When I'm not doing those things, my inner bestie is probably sleeping in a little bit, and I need to go wake her up. Um, Where I start to sacrifice my happiness, my joy, my needs and my desires. Um, And so that's how I know. I'm like, all right, I need her to wake up. I forgot the second part of your question. Do you say, how did I, how do I wake her up? Or like, how do I bring her online? Yeah, just, yeah, just like what, yeah, like the most practical ways in which someone could like, so we can identify, oh, I need to have an inner bestie and this is her, this is her perspective. Totally. But when do I bring her out? Like, you know, I mean, have, all the yeah, time. Your yeah, inner bestie yes, should always right, be online. Right. Always be there to hype you up. Because, you know, here's the fun part is the more, the stronger your relationship is with to your inner bestie, soon that inner bestie comes online automatically, right? This, all we're talking about here is thoughts as habits. Yeah. Because that's all they are. Yes. And it makes me think of, you know, gratitude, right? Yep. So like I write down and I've increased it from three to five because Huberman, Huberman said something about that. But anyway, gratitude every single day. I write down gratitude every single day. It's literally right there. You could pull it out and it's at least five. There's probably seven on there It's today. like a coloring book. Anyway, well, um, that's a, anyway, it's directly under there. Oh. Uh, so, but as a result, I just exist in this state of gratitude all the freaking time, yep. right? And that's so so cool because that's a practice in the few year in the past few years and it's just so then this sounds familiar so then I'm thinking I'm thinking always practical tangible how do we actually get habit fit shifting like how do we make this work for a human and so maybe yeah. it is as simple as the concept of those three things that you did in the mirror yep. in the morning she sounds like an inner bestie and so maybe that's how you start even having an inner bestie and, and it's a yeah. daily practice it's I think that's practice. the thing is like any of these types of things conceptually sound great. And if I don't have a plan of action consistently, it will not, like, I can't wait till the ship is on fire to call on inner bestie. Ideally, I have cultivated her existence in my life consistently. And you do it in very small actions. So I saw on your, somewhere in your stack of books, actually right there, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. That is one of the best books I've ever read. And he talks- A new about, member brought that to me like it is two days ago. phenomenal. So it. happy reading. It's phenomenal. Um, but he talks about this concept of we think equal to our environment. So here's a very practical way to start. If you walk into my house right now, which you haven't yet, but you should come over. I know you've seen it on Instagram. It looks like such a vibe. It is colorful. Yes. It is bright. It is- obnoxiously motivational. I have quotes. I have pictures of the people that I love. I have that environment brings me so much joy because we think equal to our environment. So if you're in a space right now, or you live in a space that doesn't bring you joy, that doesn't lift you up, that is being felt and acknowledged on such a deep cellular level. And it doesn't have to be big, right? It can start with the writing, I love you, I forgive you, I trust you on your mirror. It can start by, um, if you're going to build out the inner bestie, I just 
made an avatar of her of like, what do I think she looks like and sounds like, and how old do I think she is? And what are some of her beliefs? Literally, like I'm talking to a friend, but I will say the power of your environment is so, 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 so critical. And I'm not saying like, not everybody can just get up and go move out of their apartment. Or if you're not in a great relationship, like move, but there is a small thing you can do. Maybe that's like a little altar space that you have where you write yourself a love letter and you read it every day. There are 1% actions that you can take to start up leveling your environment. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain colors that, that do well for someone there, you know, like you said, the photos of the people that you love for me. And I know this is true, but you know, there's an, there's a reason there's plants in here, Yep. you know, because really life. Yeah. You, you walked in and you were like, you're a minimalist. And I'm like, I kind of am. I'd like to throw half the shit in here away. You know, like I'm like, let's keep it open. Let's keep it whatever. Uh, but plants or something for me that I'm like, yeah. And there are different mementos throughout the, you know, like that says strong over there. And those are, you know, different pieces. Like if we were to walk through things are intentionally placed. Yes. Everything has a story. And it's so cool because you've gotten to a place where you kind of cultivate that so organically that maybe you don't even recognize how powerful it is. It sounds like you do, which is amazing because I don't put a lot of mental energy there, but I certainly have familiarity with living in spaces historically that were wildly uninspiring that I did not feel safe in that I did not feel anything good. in. Yeah. you know, one of the biggest things, and this is so great because I would never think to say this, but because of what you've said, it's like, yeah, if you live in an extremely dirty space, like you're going to feel bad. Mm. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. So like we can't do that. Yeah. Do I care enough about my own energy? That's the question. Are you, if you look at the life you live as a representation and a mirror of how you're feeling inside, what does your external world say about what you are feeling inside? And that might be a really hard question for some people to answer. That might be a big punch in the gut. And let it wake you up. Yeah. Let it wake you up. And the second question I'd have you ask yourself is what is the smallest step I can take? And when I say small, y'all, it's unfailable. That's how small it is. Yeah. Literally, like draw a heart on your hand like we used to do when we were in elementary school, middle school, and get yelled at. Draw a heart on your hand. So every time you look down at your hand, you see a heart. Like that's how little the action can be. Because again, every action you take is a vote for the person that you wish to become. And the actions don't have to be zero to 100. Yeah. I just think you're really good at what you do. (laughs) Well, you're you're communicating this in so many. Yes, you are. And you're communicating it in so many different ways and giving like, it's just, uh, it's cool. So, of course, as time presses on, I wanted to ask about the Radical Confidence Blueprint course and what it is, but I think where I want to go... I am I told you, I'm here at your disposal. You I tell know. me. So, the emceeing energy that you carry is, of course, was the thing I just mentioned at the very beginning of the episode. And it's like, very intentional. Inner bestie energy. Yes. So, what... You do such a good job of building other people up, Mm. you know, like such a good job of building other people up. And so what I want to know is like stepping into that role, was it scary? No. Wasn't. When you first, Mm -mm. why do you think it wasn't scary? Because I'm like getting emotional. I don't even know why. Um, I do know why, because I really love people. 
lifting people up, inspiring people to see themselves the way I see them has always been very innate to me. Um, Stephen Covey, he has a definition of leadership that says leadership is communicating somebody's potential so clearly that they're inspired to see it in themselves. And I remember reading that when I was in middle school and I was like, that is the type of leader I'm always going to be. I'm going to communicate people's potential so clearly, so passionately, so obnoxiously that they can't help but to believe it too. Mm -hmm. And you can't fail at that. Like, yeah, sometimes I trip over my words or sometimes I feel like (laughs) not everybody's listening to what I'm saying. But what I remember is I can't fail at believing in somebody. And like when I think about Hyrox, you know, people ask me all the time because I release anywhere from 40 to 64 waves I did in, um, where were we, New York, two days. Every 10 minutes, I'm saying the same exact thing. And a lot of people ask me, like, how do you keep your energy high the whole time? And it is because I genuinely believe in every single person who's walking into that start tunnel. And not everybody's seen me since 8 o'clock in the morning. It's 4 o'clock p.m. This is your first time walking into the start tunnel. So you're going to get the same energy that I gave the person at 8 o'clock because you're a different human. And like, this is your opportunity to shine. You value the individual enough. Like, I think that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Is that in that construct of time where it's extremely high energy for an extended period, you know, like, like you're giving so much in that short period of time, which is why you're trying to continue to iterate on like setting your schedule up around it to like, let yourself ride that inevitable wave of energy, which does crash. And (laughs) you won't talk to me the day after. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I love, but I think that, I just appreciate that from you. Mm. It's the reason that you get asked to do these things is because you value the individual's energy from 8 a.m. the same as you value the individual's energy from 4 p.m. And that is at some cost to yourself. A little bit. Yeah. And I think it's really cool. That's what I always like. It's like everyone's, everyone's energy is incredibly valuable. So when they choose to let you have a moment of it, mm treated as such totally i also think i recognize the weight and i'm thinking specifically of hyrox but even like when somebody shows up at warrior women and it's their first time like anytime you make a decision to do something you've never done before which means you are giving yourself an opportunity to become somebody you've never been before Mm -hmm. i'm such a fucking fan Mm. like that is courage that is bravery I am so here for that because I know it's not easy yeah. to choose differently than what you've chosen in the past. Yeah. And so if anybody's going to hype you up to encourage you to keep making those decisions, because if you are going to change your life, you have to make decisions you've never made before. You have to become a version of you you've never been before. And I get how scary that is. Mm-hmm. And I know how many people don't choose. So if you are going to choose, yeah, I'm going to bring you inner bestie, outer bestie energy (laughs) all day, all day. Okay. So what do you feel like you have learned from your experience in that role? Oh man. Um, wow. I have learned that I'm really great at what I do. And that's not to toot my own horn. I just feel very grateful that I found something that I really genuinely love Um, but that's not the coolest thing I've learned. I think what I just shared is everybody's on a journey 
And every single person walks into that start tunnel, again, specifically with Hyrox, with a different story and a different reason that they're there. And whether I understand that reason, agree with that reason doesn't matter because it's not about me, it's about them. And it's about them choosing them. And can you imagine if we lived in a world where people continuously chose themselves Mm -hmm. and chose to do things that lit them up and made them feel powerful, we'd be living in a really different world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've learned that, I've learned, Man, emceeing in general, not just at High Rocks, but other events that I've also emceed. Yeah, let's broaden it. Yeah, I've learned that it's a very unique skill to captivate energy and to guide energy. Um, You have to have big energy and believe in yourself a lot to hold that amount of space. Yeah. and it's so it's taught me a lot about where where are the little ways that I leak energy and I don't believe in myself fully because it'll show up on stage or it'll show up in the start tunnel. Um, so it's allowed me to kind of clean those parts up a little bit. Yeah. Um, nobody's ever asked me what I've learned. Well, I love. Yeah. There's so many. There's yeah. so many things. Inevitably. And what I love is that this is for you. It's a role of MC, mm-hmm. which is a very big, like you said, big energy role. And, but I think that anybody can glean something from it mm-hmm. because whether your role is one that, because that's the thing is they're also relevant. You know, I was speaking to another friend today who was saying I could never coach. Like, I don't want to whatever, but like, I love, you know, like all parts of the system matter. Entrepreneur, entrepreneur, yep, you name yep, it. Right. Yep. And so the, the, not get the glory what like that's more more of a get the glory um role right sure. which is cool whatever Facey. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but even if the role that the individual has is not so facey whatever like it's still so important that you believe in self it's still like carrying that big energy in any role that's the energy yeah it matters so so much so i guess just yeah, I just have curiosity of what you've learned because I, I do know you're really good at it. But I'm also curious, like, what are you getting out of it? Oh, man. Well, I, just a quick note on what you just said, whether it's a facey role or not facey role, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. And that's a personal belief of mine. And so like how I make my bed in the morning dictates how I show up to MC, which is why like what I get out of it is that practice of – I want to be just as inspiring on stage and in front of people as I am looking at myself in the mirror. I want to inspire myself just as much as I inspire somebody else. Mm-hmm. I get emotional again because mm-hmm. um, it's been hard this year to want to inspire myself. I've really had to dig deep for that inspiration. Um, but I get, I get out of it knowing that I was able to hopefully – leave somebody better than I found them. And that's my life's mission. When I talk about owning your shit, whatever it is, it's I want to leave somebody better than I found them. And if they don't have the belief in themselves at that moment, then I'm happy to allow them to borrow some of mine because there have been plenty of people, especially this year, especially the last couple years that have lent me some of their belief. And it is the only way that I have been able to get through what I've gone through. That's cool. That last bit is really important. Yeah. Because seeing it from the other perspective is always such a good reminder. Um, Gosh, it's so true. We're not meant to do shit alone. No. We forget that. Yeah. 
Well, and just to know that you are out here being perceived as the person building people up and yet anyone who chooses to show you kindness, like sometimes they may not be aware of how impactful their choice was. I spent yesterday, it's January 2nd. So I spent January 1st. I spent like three hours yesterday sending voice messages to quite a few people that put me on their shoulders this year. Um, and maybe I believe you'll resonate with this as leaders um, in our lives, in our communities, in our churches, wherever it is. I don't, maybe this is my experience, but I don't always feel like we get the recognition for the work that we put in. Mm. And, and, and I, not articulating this the best way. That's okay. But be a human. <laughs> there's so many people that have lifted me. There's so many things people don't see behind the scenes. That's what I was trying to say. Um, that have allowed me to lead in the way that I do. Mm-hmm. There's the disciplines, my personal disciplines that have allowed me. You said, what do you know? When I do high rocks, I have to be very mindful about where my energy is the day before and the day after. Yep. I have to eat a certain way, sleep a certain way. It's like I'm an athlete yeah. in my own right. I know yeah. I'm not competing. You're but the talent, girl. I'm the fucking talent. Mm-hmm. And I burn a lot of calories on those days, okay? <laughs> so, and it's like those things behind the scenes, the journaling I do in the morning. I wake up before events and I work out. Every event I wake up and I work out before I have to be there at 6 a.m. because I know that I have to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. But then there's the people, your comments. Every time, I remember you first said that to me, like you have one of the most impactful roles here at High Rocks. I never forgot that. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'm fucking tired when it's 3 p.m. and we're on and I can see that we're going till seven, right? Like I'm tired, but then I remember your voice in my head and other people's voices in my head that this is this is your moment of impacting and setting the tone for this event and i perk right back up yeah don't squander the opportunity we're not meant to do it alone yeah i love all of that i also we're gonna have to i'm gonna we're gonna round this out uh and yet so we'll see but you know there are other things that we could really unpack because i know there's other things that are very of interest you know you build personal brand that's something that you're actively working on for self and you've been doing it for a number of years yeah so i have a whole slew of curiosities there and building business and uh unfortunately we're not going to go there in this episode but i was going to (laughs) say we may just have to loop back but so i want to ask you what is something that you feel like you're doing well that you would like to do better or do Mm. more of Hmm. something that i'm doing well that i would like to do better and more of um I want to support the men in my life more. I want to, (laughs) I think a lot about my brother when I think about this. I was young, you know, big brother, little sister, like you don't think about shit and the way that your words affect people. I wasn't always the support that I didn't know he needed. And then even when I knew he needed it. And even like, you know, thinking about, my ex and just ways that I could have shown up differently. Um, And so just in general, I, and I set this intention last, I don't know, probably four months ago that I want to be better about telling the men in my life that I love them. I appreciate them. I value them. And I've started to do that with my dad and it's been really hard. 
Um, cause I didn't always feel that way and I don't always feel that way, but I wonder how many times in his life he never heard that. Mm-hmm. Like, I love you. I value you. I see the things that you do for our family and I'm grateful. Um, so I'm going to do that better in 2024. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's some good shit. That's some good shit. That is. <laughs> um, God, that's cool. Okay. What is something that you would like, that you are currently doing that you would like to do less of? Um, comparing myself to others and this, yeah, social media has a big role. Um, and it's been interesting after the breakup. Um, I noticed myself really comparing myself to other women of like, yeah, just, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I didn't do the job well enough. And this is why this happened. And I actually read this. I finished a whole book in one day on my solo camping trip for New Year's. I love to read. Yeah. And that was a big intention of mine going camping for this New Year's was like read, write, lay, do whatever the fuck you want to do. And I read this really amazing book and there was a quote, a line that really stood out. Comparison is one of the greatest acts of self-violence that we can commit. And I thought about that a lot of all the ways I compared myself this year Uh, because I was hurting Mm -hmm. and I was looking for validation as to why I was hurting the belief that I didn't deserve it. We do this all the time with our limiting beliefs, like the yellow car thing, right? I forgot the name of the concept. Like if you have a Subaru, I have a Subaru. Mm -hmm. I never saw Subarus on the road. Oh, sure. And And now now all I see are Subarus. Well, our brains do the same thing. We look for, we want to prove the belief correct. And so anyway, without getting long-winded here, um, I will compare myself less because I do recognize that comparison is an act of self-violence and it strips me of self-love. So when I love just giving the vocabulary of self-violence, like that's more intense than other variations. Yes. Comparison is the thief of joy. We've heard that. And that's cool, right? That's cool. So let's acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. And that has Mm -hmm. its place, but even taking it a step further and going, no, it's literal self-violence. Maybe I will be like even more off put by that. And one of the things I can think of with the comparison that's just so beautiful is I know I get access to people that it shocks me every day. Mm. Like constantly I'm like, how are these people my friends? But they're my friends because I'm wildly intentional Um, and I need to do better, but I'm doing well. Right. Yeah. Anyway, they've done a great job even in recent history of reminding me when I want to, cause I, I just have very high expectations of self and it's like, let me remind you where I was at your age, mm. or let me remind you what I had to walk through to arrive to the version of me that you see today. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, here are the current struggles. And there's always just so much more than you know, <laughs> you know? And so in the comparison moment, I know that you know this, but it's always good to just remember, like you're comparing yourself one. And when it comes to social media is it's all a filtered fucking game anyway. And so it's just like, what are we even doing? And I think from there then like, okay, then do I need to have access to this or do I need to revoke my own access? You know, I am, I am being fed into this machine, into Mm -hmm. this game that is in many ways going to be not advantageous. I love one of the things that, that Eric Hinman posted and it was, it was in regards to, you know, drinking and exercising like the the versions of himself in his twenties versus today in his forties, he's shredded and whatever, super fit now. And he's like, he mentioned that low effort, uh, like things that you do with low effort that give you dopamine dumps without requiring much effort 
uh, are typically consequential mm. in a negative way. And things that are high effort that then give you dopamine dumps are often positive. And so fitness, going and choosing to work out high effort, dopamine dump, I win. Mm-hmm. You know, going and getting in your cold plunge that you hate so much and choose to do <sighs> high effort, you know, but then also, so sure we can identify the numbing as like a low effort dopamine, whatever, but social media is one that came up for me Totally. of how low effort is this for me to hop on here to catch some dopamine and what are the consequences? What are, the, what is the price that I'm going to pay? So whether it's feeding my ego via engagement with self or scrolling for whatever reason, this is generally a low effort endeavor. And I need to just be quite mindful of that because here's where we exist and you're building an online brand, which means that you're continuing to choose to show up in that space because it's a tool. So, okay, if I'm going to play with, if I'm going to pick up the tool, I need to be really mindful of the energy that I'm spending here because it is not going to work out well for me if I don't pay close attention. Yeah. So anyway, totally. Okay. Uh, three things you're grateful for today. <laughs> um, three things I'm really grateful for today. Gray skies. I wrote that in my gratitude journal this morning. It's just something beautiful about the mystery of what's under there. Um, I'm really grateful for the sun yesterday, kind of on the flip side. And I am really grateful for the soul inside my body, inside my heart that mm. shows the fuck up even when it's hard, even when it's messy and wiggles the whole way, yeah. the entire time I wiggle, <laughs> I wiggle my way through. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love it. Okay. I am grateful for, uh, on my coaching calls yesterday, my mom has been on them for like all year. Right. Aww. And she literally colored the sign that said, you got this. And when people like said something That's that they were working so on, cute. she held the freaking sign up. She's so cute. Are you kidding me? That's my mom. Wow. Yeah, so I'm grateful for that because like, whoa, that's so crazy that's cool. So cute. Uh, I am grateful for like, I started 75 hard again yesterday and I'm grateful for continuing to just iterate on the discipline thing because mm. it, since it seems to be of service to the direction I want to head, those actions or votes. Um, okay, cool. Grateful for uh, an imperfect system that I can plug into that seems to work well for me. And then uh, I am grateful for... You're just choosing to be here. Mm. Really. I'm grateful for your energy. I'm grateful for the work that you choose to do and the fact that you want to come share it in this way. So from there, I want you to plug yourself. Where can they find you? Where can they support you? Uh, Instagram, Danielle Gertner, website, Danielle Gertner. I send really great emails. I'm just going to put that out there. I really do. They're intentional and funny. Um, and I use a lot of memes and dirty jokes. Um, and when the own your the own your shit podcast is out i have two seasons i just haven't posted one in a while i'm just taking a nice a nice break but it'll be back soon um and in austin if you're in austin come say what's up uh i lead warrior women atx would love to have ladies come or come see me at on it with claire we'll get a workout in yeah i love following your workouts in my own danielle way Oh, it's one of my favorite things that you do. I won't, I won't snatch a barbell over my head, but yes. I will snatch the shit out of a kettlebell. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. I right. love, it is the coolest thing to watch you <laughs> watch whatever I did and then go, what was that? I'm going to do that. Yeah. And like, it's so cool. Cause oftentimes you select ones and I'm like, oh, I don't even agree. This is a terrible idea. Yeah. And you like your willingness to put yourself outside of your comfort zone and do those things it is also very like, I noticed that. Thank you. Uh, okay. So. I will put in the show notes. So in the Perfect. description, guys, if you want to go find her and support her, get on her email list, 
Uh, like I mentioned, she has the self mastery. She has this blue, like she has a lot of offerings that you should go check out. And so I'll just put that tag down below. So go find her, support her, get more of her, all of the above. And then I need to, I need to actually plug a thing for myself. So, uh, I know I haven't done a good job of this. I'm like, okay. So as we know, I coach, right? And yes, same thing. I coach in, in person at on at gym one-to-one. So if that's of interest to you and you're in Austin, Texas, South Austin, reach out to me. But then in addition to that, I was reminded that I don't talk enough about my one-to-one online coach. Coaching, talk a lot about the group coaching, but like the details of, because the wellness thing is kind of broad and what is that? And so in conversation yesterday, it reminded me, and I'm just going to plug it here, that like some of the things that we do in the one-to-one online is we work on stress management, mobility, aging well, consistency, muscle gain, fat loss, habit development, nutrition education, sport specific coaching, mindset, There's customized workout programs and meal plans, and I will even review your movement patterns via video. There's just so much that's offered there that I don't think I talk about sufficiently at all. So bottom line is if any of that actually speaks to you and you fit in any of those categories and would like some help, I do offer a one-to-one. And so just send me a message and uh, we can have a further chat about that. I do onboarding calls where we just kind of unpack where you're at, blah, blah. That's sufficient. Okay. We are grateful for your time because I think we both very much so agree that your time is incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you chose to come and spend it here with us in this way means a lot to both of us. And other than that, we just hope that you choose to have a beautiful day.